All right, I'd like for you to turn over your notebooks and uh, we're gonna let, we're gonna take a look at our Wellspring purpose and go over our disciplines. So our purpose in meeting together, it's good to be reminded of this each time we come, is to equip and encourage one another as women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God so that we live out gospel transformed lives thus or for the purpose of or with the result of strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Are you remembering that connection between, shep between shepherding your heart by being in God's word, remembering it throughout your day, praying, using his word to speak truth to your own hearts, and living out gospel transformed lives and how that affects the church. There is a connection. When we choose other things over shepherding, guarding, caring for, watching over our hearts, it doesn't merely affect our own hearts. It affects others as well, as we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So let's stop and evaluate. How are you doing with the disciplines in light of our purpose as you remember your role in strengthening the church? Do you need some spurring on? Do you need to be reminded again what our hearts need most? I know I need that reminder. It's why we keep these disciplines before us. Discipline one tells us that the faithful woman of God shepherds her heart worshipfully toward God through the word of God and in particular, the gospel. She worshipfully shepherds her own heart in order to meet with God, to love him, to be in awe of him, to become more faithful to him, and to grow in her trust of him. And that all begins by being with him in the word. Is this becoming a natural part of your day? Do you wake up in the morning longing to be with your Savior? Do you look forward <coughs> to that time with him whenever it fits into your day? If not, are you disciplining yourself to get into the word, knowing the great treasure that you'll find there? If it's difficult to find an extended amount of time to spend with the Lord, are you looking for ways to be in his word, even if it means choosing a few minutes at a time, because you see your need to draw on him for your strength and your help? Are you remembering that we live in a mixed condition, that we are easily drawn away from our shepherd? And because our hearts and our minds need to be trained to think rightly, when you are in his word, are you shepherding your heart to him? It's easy to just read and forget to do that unless we are purposeful to do so. And then what about the rest of your day? Are you dwelling on, meditating on what you've read? Are you caring for your heart with the treasure that you found by being with your Lord? Are you finding that the time spent with him is causing you to better see your sin? And then are you quick to confess and to repent 
and remember the perfect sacrifice that Christ paid for that sin? Is it causing you to grow in your appreciation of the grace that he gives? Ladies, if we are not doing this, we will be women without much to offer others. How can we strengthen the church if we are not drawing on him? We can't. And so may I just encourage you this morning to be purposeful in caring for your hearts with the wonderful truths that you find by being in God's word. And then discipline too shows us that, shows us that the next place that needs to be most impacted outside of our own hearts with the word of God and God himself <coughs> is with those with whom we live. The faithful woman of God is concerned for those in her home and ministers to them with her heart fixed on God and his word. These are the relationships that we are to care for first. The time spent with God in his word overflows into these relationships. That time of taking in his word will affect the way that you live and care for those in your homes. It is what will prepare our hearts to care well for them. It's what brings our thinking into alignment with God's ways so that Christ will be seen in us in such a way that it has a fruitful impact on those in our homes, our husbands, our children, our roommates, our parents, our grandchildren. They ought to gain a sense that your home is a place that is centered on the gospel. We all know that that doesn't just happen. That will only occur when we are thinking on the gospel and we, when we are purposeful in bringing it into these relationships. It's a purposeful choice. And from there, discipline three flows. The woman who has her heart fixed on God and is keeping her God-given ministry within her home a priority, <coughs> that faithful woman of God steps into the church and every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. The faithful woman of God will be impactful because she has been feasting on God's word. And therefore, she is a woman who knows her God because that is her intention to grow in her knowledge of him. She will be impactful because she brings love and grace and truth to them. It's important to be reminded of these truths and to keep them in view this morning as we look at our lesson. But before we begin, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we are reminded, even as we look at these disciplines, of how much we need your word, how much we need you. And so, Father, this morning, as we open up your word, we want to come humbly before you. And Father, we ask that our hearts would be ready to hear from you that uh, we would then be faithful to think on it, to meditate on it, and Father, to allow you to change us in the areas where you know we need to be changed. Father, we are thankful for you, for your word, and uh, for time together as uh, members of your body. I pray that we would be better equipped to care for our own hearts, those in our <clears throat> homes, and other women as well after we hear um, from your, your word this morning. And so we pray for your help. 
In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, the last time you met, um, Janet came and taught on Hannah. And in that lesson, we saw how Hannah poured out her requests before God. She was humble and joyful. She was self-controlled toward Penina and also toward Eli. And she was trusting in the God whom she knew. And as, as a result, we saw how hopeful she was. Not in God answering her prayer, but where was her hope? Her hope was in God himself. The fruit of her heart shepherding was seen in her response to her circumstances as well as in her relationships. And so this morning, we're going to look at two other women. And as we do, we will see the dangers of a heart left unshepherded. And how easily we can fall into sinful attitudes and actions like pride and bitterness and anxiousness when we are not careful to watch over our hearts. We'll see that if we don't fill our minds with God's truths, we can become critical of others and be deceived into thinking that we deserve something, which can then lead us down a sinful path to actions like making demands, even of God. That's what we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So would you turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And as we do, let's observe the lives of these two women and learn more about the importance and the blessing of shepherding our own hearts and the danger that we face when we neglect to do so. So let's begin by reading in verse 30, start in verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So as we look at the lives of these two women and consider Jesus' words to them, we will find that his words reveal much to us about our own hearts and what it means to be a godly servant and what will distract us from God-honoring service. So I want to begin this morning by first um, looking at what this passage is not about because I think it'll help clarify for us Jesus' intent in this passage and not minimize what it has to reveal to us about our own hearts. So first of all, this passage is not about differing personalities or gifting. The fact that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his words does not mean that she was unwilling to serve. And the point of this passage is not to help us learn how to be balanced between Martha-type ministry 
and Mary-type solitude. And it is not that we should be unconcerned about serving. Rather, in this passage, Jesus focuses on the choices we make. He focuses on the choices we make. In verse 42, Jesus said that Mary had chosen the good part. And the implication is that Martha had not. So let's look at these sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha is the older and Mary is the younger. They had a brother, Lazarus, who would soon die and then be brought back to life by Jesus. In fact, many commentators believe that Jesus, in his interaction with these sisters here in Luke chapter 10, is actually preparing them for that trial that they will soon face. They live in Bethany, which is just about two miles from Jerusalem. Both Luke and John recorded that Jesus enjoyed hospitality in the home of this family on at least three occasions. John made it a point to record that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now it seems likely that Mary and Martha were two of the many people who heard Jesus teach early on in his ministry. They extended hospitality to him and they built a relationship with him through that. Now, I know for many of us, this is a very familiar narrative. I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm looking at something that's very familiar to me, particularly a very familiar passage, I need to be careful that I read it with a very humble attitude and not with the attitude of, I know what this is about, but rather I need to remember that this is God's powerful word and therefore I must humble myself under it so that I don't allow the familiarity of it to cause me to miss what I need to hear. And so this morning, that's my prayer for us, that we will look carefully at the words that Jesus speaks to these women and why they needed to be said, because it is his words that will strengthen us in our service and will, will reveal to us the things that will distract us from a service that brings honor to him. <clears throat> this passage will also help us understand the importance of discipline number one and its interconnectedness with disciplines two and three. Why we must never neglect in bringing our hearts to the word of God and remember his truths as we shepherd our hearts throughout our day. So let's look again at verse 38. In this verse, we'll see a heart to serve. That's number one in your outline, a heart to serve. Verse 38 says, Now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now we certainly get the impression from the narrative that Jesus knew this family in Bethany well. Jesus met Martha somewhere in the village. Most likely it was in the marketplace as uh, she was gathering things for the day um, that were needed for that day. It was much different than today. She didn't, you don't go to the grocery store back then for a week. You go to gather your things that were needed for that day. And that was probably where she met Jesus. And we're introduced to Martha with these words. Martha welcomed him into her home. 
And the idea is that she immediately welcomed him when she saw him. These words imply a great deal. There is a sense of eagerness in Martha's desire to have Jesus in her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She had a good desire. She wanted to serve Jesus by preparing a meal for him and providing a place for him to stay. And that probably meant for those who were traveling with him as well. The idea um, of being welcomed here means that she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of showing hospitality and kindness to him. This word communicates a lot. It means that she wanted to shower him with kindness as she met his needs. It is evident that Martha loved Jesus. And yet, there is a great warning for us. We can have the best of intentions to serve and to extend, extend kindness to those in our homes and to those we invite in. But good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are good enough. Because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary. So now let's take a look at Mary and learn more about her choice. We see Mary with a heart engaged. That's number two on your outline. Look at verse 39. <clears throat> she had a sister called Mary. Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? Martha had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that is needed for the setting of this passage. And there's a reason for that. The simplicity of this introduction of Mary throws all of the weight on the action that follows. Anything else that could have been said would have been of small importance in comparison with the one thing that we are to take note of. It's what she is doing. She was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. This sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of her opportunity to take in his words. There is no indication in this passage that this act is considered idle or unwarranted. <clears throat> In fact, we find from Jesus' words the exact opposite. Even though, as a woman, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. Culturally, she had every reason to be with Martha instead. See, a woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common role. But here, Mary is assuming and preferring the role of a pupil, a student, a <coughs> disciple under a rabbi. That was unusual, and it helps us understand, understand her strong desire to be with Jesus. 
Notice that this action on the part of Mary is the only action that we read about in the passage. Yet, it is the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. When she saw that Jesus was about to speak, Mary turned from everything else to sit and to be absorbed in what he had to say. This was a woman who was disciplined in turning her heart toward Jesus in order to take in his words, because his words revealed more of him to her. That takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose the best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good. She was very intentional in her choice. And we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we take in his word and as we allow it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, understand the treasure that we find in knowing him. Now, let's compare this with Martha. We see in verse 40 a heart distracted. It's number three on your outline. <clears throat> verse 40 begins with, but Martha. Now, when we see the word but, as we're reading, we know that there is a contrast coming. We just read of Mary seated at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted. Now, to be distracted means to be drawn away. Martha had become so overoccupied with her preparations to serve Jesus that she allowed her preparations to draw her away from him. The word distracted is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed herself to be distracted by her service to him. Instead of keeping the focus that she, she seemed to have had in verse 38 when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show him kindness, and lovingly serve him, she so quickly allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus described Martha in verse 41 as worried and bothered. To be worried means to be anxious or troubled about something, to be overwrought, on edge, or fretful. And the Greek word for bothered is turbazo. It's the same word from which we get our English word, turbulent. It gives us a pretty good picture of what's going on inside of Martha's heart, doesn't it? Martha is troubled and all stirred up, and she is visibly showing agitation. Worried shows us that there's an inward fretting, while bothered shows us that there is an outward agitation. And what is it that has Martha so worried and bothered? Let's look again at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. 
Now it's so important that we understand that it wasn't wrong for Martha to serve Jesus. Her preparations began out of her love for him. It wasn't wrong for Martha to serve, and it isn't wrong for us to serve. That's not the point of this passage. Serving and working hard in service is good. In the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 16, 1 and 2 commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church, and to Paul personally. In Romans 16, 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus. Acts 16, 14, and 15 tells us that Lydia opened up her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. In Luke 4, 39, we find that immediately after Peter healed, excuse me, after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. These women are not in any way rebuked for their service. So this passage is certainly not telling us that we should neglect extending kindness. In fact, if you look up just a few verses to verse 33, just before this passage, you see it's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus had just taught that we are to love others. How? By our actions by serving our neighbor. Serving reflects the image of God. We were created to bear that image of Jesus as one who serves. Serving was not Martha's problem, and it's not our problem. That's not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored, steadied, and fixed and riveted on Jesus and his words. Martha neglected to see that Jesus' words would have benefited her serving. Instead, we see in Martha a heart that was distracted and swept away from Jesus by all of her preparations. Look again at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted by all her preparations. Literally, it means she was distracted by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, you are worried and bothered about so many things. She was distracted by all of the things that she thought were necessary. Now we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our family and others by being lazy. But we can also miss the right heart of service by being distracted and thinking that our service is more important than focusing our minds and our hearts on Jesus himself. When our hearts and minds are swept away by our service and they are not anchored to Jesus, that is when we lose our focus on what really <coughs> matters. That is what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her service, and in doing so, she totally missed what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. 
Again, Jesus did not rebuke Martha for serving, but rather for allowing her mind and heart to be drawn away, to be distracted and drawn away um, to the things that for that moment were unimportant by comparison to what Jesus had for her, to learn from him. And we, like Martha, may very well become distracted, worried, and bothered by an inaccurate view of what is most important in any given moment. But that's not all we can get carried away with, is it? Let's stop for a moment and ask ourselves, what other things can tempt us to sinful worry and distraction? We can be distracted by trying to please man rather than God, right? That certainly is a temptation for me. Being concerned with what other people think of my service to the point of being distracted, being pulled away from the one that I'm ultimately trying to serve. Proverbs 29, 25 calls that the fear of man. And it tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. It easily ensnares us to the same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can become prone to distraction when we are selfish, when we want things done our way and in our timing. We're also susceptible to to being excessively concerned um, with what others are doing or maybe what they're not doing, maybe to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them, when we are not fixing our eyes on Jesus and the privilege of knowing and serving him. We must guard against becoming more concerned with what we get done than with how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging because getting something done becomes more important than being like Christ in that moment. Ladies, if we desire to grow in grace, to grow in holiness of life, we must be on our guard so that we are not carried away by the things that take our focus off of our Savior. When we don't guard our hearts, but rather allow ourselves to be distracted and swept away from Jesus, that is when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. When we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of our misplaced priorities. It becomes a burden. Working hard is not wrong. Having a heart that is swept away from the one that we are ultimately serving, that is terribly wrong. So let's think, whose choice was this? This distracted and worried and bothered heart. There is no one Martha can blame but herself. By not fighting against it, Martha chose to be distracted. And ladies, we have this same choice. We must realize that when, we, when our hearts hold weakly to Christ, it is because we choose it to be this way. 
Martha chose to have a distracted and worried and bothered heart. And it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distractions bore bitter fruit. And if our hearts are in the wrong place, they will um, produce bitter fruit as well. Let's look further at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him. Now remember what Jesus is doing here. Now, I'm going to give Martha the benefit of a doubt, the doubt, okay? I don't we don't know if Martha perhaps tried to get Mary's attention some other way but failed. But what we do know is that Martha in all of her preparations at that moment, those preparations stopped and she interrupted Jesus teaching in order to plead her case. Martha obviously thought that she had made the right choice. And it seems that Martha assumed that Jesus would have the same evaluation of the situation that she did once she had the opportunity to point it out to him. I wonder if it ever occurred to Martha that she could be the one who was wrong. When our hearts aren't right, we're, we're rarely aware of that. Isn't that true? I know it is for me. And so, thinking that she was justified, <coughs> Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Martha is looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit that we see. First, she finds fault with Jesus. Listen to her words again. Lord, do you not care? She accused Jesus of being insensitive. Now, think about that. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In about four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And in Martha's self-centeredness, she goes up to him and asks, Don't you care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back to her to help her with all of her preparations, but rather allowed her to sit at his feet and learn from him. Do you see the danger of an unshepherded heart? And Martha did not stop with blaming Jesus. She also reproached her sister Mary for abandoning her when she said, My sister has left me to do all the serving alone. See, it's evident by her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus, all because she was distracted by her preparations. 
She was not at a place at this point where she could even begin to evaluate her own heart. She was completely blind to her own sin. All she could see was what she thought was wrong with all of those around her. Now, I don't know about you, but this hits a little bit close to home. You see what we are all so capable of. Martha's words and actions shows us how subtly and sinfully pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions. Now, I do think that it also might be easy for us to read this and think, I can't believe that Martha's pride would lead her to think so highly of her own agenda. But the truth is, I do this. We do this. Do you see the sin we so easily fall into when we neglect to shepherd our hearts to Jesus continually? We can easily allow ourselves to become distracted, stirred up in our minds, and carried away in our emotions by our excessive expectation of what we think needs to get done. And what we expect others to do to help us get it done. And when we do, we sin right in the middle of our service. It's far too easy to fall into the temptation to, to look outside of ourselves, to look for excuses, and even assume that we know others' motives and make accusations against them and even toward God. We see the same accusation in Mark chapter 4, in verses 35 and 36. It tells us that it was evening, and it was getting dark, and Jesus had gotten into the boat with his disciples. And verse 37 says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they awoke, then they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked this wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith. Did you hear their accusation? Teacher, don't you care? How quickly we can draw wrong conclusions about God based on our circumstances, can't we? This accusation reveals the disciples' hearts just as it did Martha's hearts, and often it reveals our hearts. There is a great warning for us here. Our hearts can, become, can so easily become self-centered, so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focusing on and trusting in Jesus. It shows us how critical it is for us to be soaking in his word so that we don't forget him throughout our day, so that our thoughts, our responses, our hearts reflect what is true about him. 
Look again at verse 40. When Martha said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Did you catch those words, left me? First of all, it shows her that, that her greatest concern in that moment was one thing. She was concerned that she was left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary had deserted her. But who was, was Martha's, excuse me, who was Mary's master? It wasn't Martha, was it? And there's something else that Martha's words reveal. When she said to Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me? She was indicating that, Mar that Mary had been serving with her. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary and then was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. She understood the right priority. She had prepared what was necessary, but then she left her service in order to listen to Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. Martha couldn't see that Mary left for a good reason, the right reason. And we see in her words to Jesus when she said, then, when she, uh, then, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. Excuse me. So at this point, <clears throat> Martha had become so convinced that Mary should be serving her rather than be with Jesus. At this point, we see that Martha's desire became a demand. Do you see the pride in this? Martha thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to judgment and to all kinds of evil. Anger, resentment, jealousy, a critical spirit, and unkindness. How easy it is for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do, even to the point that we forget who we are, his servants. And we can forget how needy we are of him and when we do, we lose sight that it is his strength and his words which help us persevere in our service. And that he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what is truly important. Being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and repent of our pride and put aside the things that are not necessary so that our service brings honor to him. <clears throat> Let's look at one last bitter fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words to her in verse 42. Let me begin by um, going back and reading up in verse 41. 
But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. His words tell us that what Mary had chosen had eternal value. But they also reveal something very disturbing that was going on inside of Martha. They reveal Martha's bitterness toward Mary's choice. Martha was deceived into thinking that her distracted service was most important. And she began to resent her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. Jesus knew that Martha's heart wasn't right. Now again, there is no doubt that Martha loved Jesus. But She was completely blind to her own sin at this point. Her misguided idea of what it meant to serve him had to be exposed so that she could repent of it. And Jesus was very faithful to do that. So we're going to take just about a five-minute break, and then we'll come back. And uh, we're going to look at Jesus' words to her. Let's go ahead and look at um, what Jesus said to Martha to expose her sinful heart, to expose her mistaken idea of what it meant to serve him. So we see this in verses 41 and 42, a heart set right. That's number four on your outline. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. <clears throat> the searcher of hearts knew Martha's heart. It was obvious by her words and her actions that she was outwardly upset. But Jesus also knew what was going on inside of Martha. And so, like a tender parent, Jesus exposed Martha's sin and gave her the gentle rebuke that, she, that was needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of Martha's name by Jesus shows his love for her. It is intended to bring her back gently. There's a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly yet firmly rebuked, because she had failed to choose what was necessary. Proverbs 27.6 tells us, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' words are the balm that Martha needed to hear. She needed to see that her heart was distracted and worried and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within her own heart to see her sin. That in only looking outside of herself, 
she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she sensed was wrong with those around her. <clears throat> Whenever criticizing others and pitying ourselves because we feel overburdened by our service, whenever we can stop and see that, we then need to take time to examine our own hearts. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we have been neglecting the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do. Rather, her problem was that she had allowed her work to distract her and to pull her away from Jesus. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, and something is terribly wrong with our service, something is terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew Martha needed to understand that her motive in serving was no longer pure. Who had become the focal point of Martha's service at this point? She had. Therefore, Jesus was not honored by Martha's service, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew there was only one thing needed. One thing. It was what Mary had chosen, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. And we must choose the same thing needed to feast on his word and not allow our hearts to wander from him. Now, did Martha heed this loving yet firm rebuke? You know, we don't know exactly. But in your homework, I think you looked up John chapter 12. <coughs> and you might have noticed that in this passage, just six days before Jesus went to the cross, we find him in Bethany, once again, eating supper, and it says, Martha was serving. Did you notice what it doesn't say? There's no rebuke, no account of her interrupting, just serving. And so I think we at least have reason to hope that Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us great hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of the faithfulness of our great shepherd. And then in verse 42, we see a heart that feasts. That's number five on your outline. <clears throat> the rest of Jesus' response commends Mary when he said, But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of choosing to be distracted and allowing her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distractions and division of her heart. She had chosen the good part. She chose to be near Jesus so that she could take in his word. And we, too, must discipline ourselves to that. It is a choice we make. Mary was intentional in what she chose. 
And if we are to choose what Jesus said is the good part, we have to plan for it. It is a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities and make whatever changes are necessary so that we have room for this choice. Have you ever noticed <clears throat> that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? That just happens if we do nothing. But we do have to plan to meet with Jesus in his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from his word. But we do have to plan for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. In the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly, her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his words, would have changed. How she would have stepped back into her preparations alongside her sister Martha. How her service would have been better how Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole aroma of her service had the potential of being infused with the aroma of Christ. Do they see the important lesson in this for us? As his servants, we must be wise in the use of our time in order to take to get our hearts ready to serve others. And how do we do that? By taking in his word, by being near to our Savior, so that we can enter back into our service with a heart that is refreshed and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace with the service that is honoring to him. See, what we do with our hearts every morning or whenever you choose to spend time with God in his word and throughout our day, coming before him with a humble, submissive heart will make more of an impact on our service in our homes, in our small groups, in the way that we serve on Sunday mornings, in our school, in our jobs, than anything else we might do. This is a choice we must continually make. We all can be distracted by so many things, right? Excessive service can be a temptation in any area of our lives. Extending care to those in our homes is right, but allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God in his word is not choosing what Jesus called the one thing necessary. In a sermon that Spurgeon gave on this passage, he said, you are not losing time when you are feeding your soul. Martha became interested in accomplishing while Mary's focus stayed on a person. She was consumed with Christ. She chose to feast on his words. 
Mary saw Jesus for who he was, and therefore she disciplined herself to the choice to be near to her portion. Listen to what some of the Psalms um, describe about God as our portion. Hear the hope of the the hope that the psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. In Psalm 73, 26, says, My heart, my flesh, and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 142, 5, I cried out to the Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 119.57, the Lord is my portion. I've promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. To be close to God and to have him as one's portion is to have a heart that is teachable and eager to learn. This is the single-mindedness that we see in Mary. We sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and what would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. That is a treasure that will never be taken away from us. And how do we do that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we, to, we need to remember that in light of this passage. Listen to all of the things that we have been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to carefully shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is actually necessary in our service and that when we do so, we can quickly allow that to lead us down a sinful path to distraction so that we miss out on the one that we ultimately are trying to serve. And we saw that we can also allow other things to distract us from a heart fixed on Jesus. Fear of man or selfishness or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that if we find our hearts carried away like Martha's was, that it is because we have chosen to hold weakly to Christ. We also saw that a sinful, distracted heart bears bitter fruits, blaming, self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride, judgment, and bitterness, and all the while being blind to the very, to the very dangerous place to which our hearts have wandered. We can so easily sin against the ones closest to us, right in the middle of serving them. And so, 
we need to heed these warnings. We need to repent where God's word exposes sin. And we need to remember in the midst of conviction that we can find encouragement. There is always hope. See, Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new in him. And so he died and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered. And so we can rejoice that Christ died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to that sinful worry and distraction or any of its bitter fruit, but that we now, because of Christ, have the ability to say no to that sin because we are slaves to Christ. We can diligently pursue holiness. And so even when we find that we have become distracted, we can flee right back to Jesus. We can cry out and confess that we need him. And he will be faithful to help us reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end with a quote from Ryle's commentary on Luke. <clears throat> he wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion which she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken from them. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you give to us to help us keep our hearts near to you. Father, we know that we can easily our, allow our hearts to become distracted, to become anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We're so easily led down a path of sinful distraction as we serve others. And Father, it's easy for us to miss you, the very one that we are ultimately serving. And so, Father, this morning we plead with you to help us as we enter into this busy season of the year. And we ask you for your help, that we would remember how much we need you, how much we need your wisdom. I pray that we will be consistent in seeking you in your word, and that our time with you will impact the way that we serve others so that our service ultimately will bring you glory.
Father, that's our desire. And so would you help us to keep our focus on Jesus? And Father, when we fail, I pray that we would be quick to turn our thoughts back to you. Father, we are thankful when we do that, that you are always faithful to forgive us and uh, that we can shepherd our hearts back to you and that you again give us an opportunity to serve you in a manner that is honoring to you. That's our prayer and we pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus.